We're in a series called So Great a Salvation. It is a series about the salvation that has been provided to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. All of mankind is in a sinful, fallen condition, but Jesus Christ has saved us from that sinful, fallen condition. He has provided a way out for us to be free from that old sinful human condition and all that it holds, that guilt, the sin, the condemnation, the sickness, the despair. Jesus made a way for us to be free from that. But we as believers, we need to know what he's done for us. Amen. We were singing this morning what he's done. You need to know what he's done for you. And I tell you, if we really understand what's been provided for us in this great salvation we would never neglect it or be indifferent to it. Hebrews 2, 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There's no other way to be free than this great salvation that he has already provided for us. See, you can educate, you can make up all kinds of religious rules, you can try with all your willpower, all that you could possibly muster, but the only way for us to truly be free from that old sinful nature is Jesus. Can't do anything to save ourselves. It's not anything of our goodness or our own righteousness, but it is only because of this great salvation provided to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only because of God's grace. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's available to everybody. The only thing that we do is we believe what God has provided for us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved. You've been saved. You've been saved through faith. Those words, whether we're reading salvation in Titus 2.11 or saved in Ephesians 2.8, they both mean to rescue, to deliver, to heal, and to make whole. Last week we talked about how that Christ has rescued us from the penalty of our sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so we could be without guilt and shame and condemnation, so that we could be righteous before a holy God. Our Savior, He came to deliver us. He came to set us free from sin. When the Scripture says He will save His people from their sins, it wasn't only talking about forgiveness, it was also talking about victory over sin. How tragic would it be if we were just to be forgiven over and over and over and over, but still be bound up? I want to tell you, God does forgive us again and again. But you need to understand this. He wants you to be free. And he has provided for that through so great a salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we need to understand this 
sinful human condition. I want to talk about it for just a few minutes, but you know, there are those that say that man is good, that he's basically good. Some say he's inherently good, and you know, man has to learn to do evil. And so I want to know how many of you mom and dads have had to teach your children to be selfish and to scream and throw fits and kick and fight and bite and how many of you mom and dads had to teach that to your child? No, it came to them quite naturally. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're teaching that to your children, our children's workers want to have a talk with you. But we all know those sweet little darlings, you know, those little angels, they have a sinful nature. It's in there from the very beginning. They were born in it, born with it. All of us born in Adam's race have that old sinful nature. You do have to teach them to share and to be kind and to forgive and to think of others and to say things like please and thank you. Yeah, you have to teach those things. You have to model it. You have to teach it to them. Here's why. Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 18 and 19. And some of these from the book of Romans, I'm going to read from the NIV, it's just a little simpler and easier to understand. But it says, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men. Now it's talking about one trespass, it's talking about Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Because of Adam's trespass, condemnation came on all men. So as a result of one act of righteousness, Jesus, death on the cross, Justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience, Adam's disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Everybody was made sinners because of Adam's disobedience. But now, so also through the obedience of Jesus, the one man, the many will be made righteous. See, we see it right there, that in Adam, all of us have this sinful condition. But Jesus came to make a way out, so great a salvation, that we could be made righteous. That old sinful nature, you know, through training and education and discipline and religion and accountability... You might be able to stop certain sins. I mean, you might be able to become like the Pharisee who stood and thus prayed, or stood and thus prayed with himself, I thank thee, God, that I'm not like other men. You see, through all of those kinds of things, we might be able to think that we're a little better than somebody else, and maybe we do a little better than somebody else, but the truth is, is that apart from Jesus, we're still sinners with a fallen, sinful nature. It's only by the Lord Jesus Christ that we can ever truly change and be free. A little story I like to tell to illustrate, well, really what all of us go through and know. Toad baked some cookies. The cookies smelled so very good. He ate one, and it was better than he had even smelled. He runs to Frog's house. He says, Frog, Frog, taste these cookies that I have made. 
Frog ate one of the cookies. He said, these are the best cookies I've ever eaten. So Frog and Toad ate many, many cookies, one after another. Finally, Frog says, you know, Toad, with his mouth still full, right? I think we should stop eating. We're going to be sick. Toad says, you're right. Let us eat one last cookie, and then we'll stop. They ate one last cookie. There's still many cookies left in the bowl. So Toad says, Frog, let's eat one more, and then we'll stop. They eat one more, and then one more. Finally, he said, we've got to stop eating these cookies. And Frog said, what we need is willpower. Toad said, what is willpower? Frog said, willpower is trying hard not to do something that you really want to do. You mean like trying hard not to eat these cookies? He said, yeah. So Frog put the cookies in a box. He said, there, now we'll have willpower. But Toad said, but we can open the box and eat the cookies. So Frog tied a string around the box. He said, there, now we have willpower. But Toad said, but we can untie the string and open the box and eat the cookies. So Frog took the box of cookies up high on the ladder. And he left it at the very top of the ladder. He said, now we have willpower. But Toad said, but we can climb the ladder and get the box down and pull the string and eat the cookies. So Frog took the cookies outside and he threw them all out on the ground. And he said, birds, birds, come and eat the cookies. And the birds came and they ate up all the cookies. And Frog said, now, now we have willpower. Toad said, you can have your willpower. I'm going to go home and bake a cake. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, We can all relate to that story in some way, right? Okay, there's seven of us. The rest of you, you... We can all relate to that story in some way. Yes, we can. We all know that struggle. In fact... You know, if you're like me and you struggle with your eating, uh, it's a little too on the nose, you know what I mean? But, it, but we all, in one way or another, we all are well aware and well acquainted with that struggle. Because you know what? A conscience doesn't keep you from sinning, it just keeps you from enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But we can all find ourselves in that story, and we can all find ourselves in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verse 15 says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Now I want you to understand here, as the Apostle Paul is writing this, he's not talking about himself as a born-again believer. He's talking about his old nature, his old life, that old sinful nature. And we all know exactly what he's saying, that I do things I don't want to do, I I don't do what I should do sometimes. We all are well acquainted with that. That's that old sinful nature that can never really be free. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in, my, in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. 
Nobody wants to be a prisoner. We don't want to be a prisoner of the law of sin. He says, at work within my members, what a wretched man I am. It's a terrible thing to be bound by sin. Who will rescue me from this body of death? No way to live. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who rescues us from that old sinful nature. Jesus has made the way. He has provided for our freedom in this so great a salvation. Part of that is that we are to be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I tell you, it is only through the Lord Jesus Christ we can truly be free. You know, the world claims to understand the human condition better today than what they used to. You know, they just label things differently. Alcoholism is a disease. Drug addiction is a disease. Some people lie all the time. They just can't help themselves. Some people steal all the time. You know, it's a condition. It's they got, they got kleptomania, you know. Whatever it is, it, there's, you know, some gossip and some are consumed with lust and some have a terrible temper. And you know what people often say when they have a terrible temper? They say, well, it, it runs in my family. <laughs> yeah, it's the human family and it's called sin and it runs in all of us. We need to understand that is that old sinful condition. And it manifests in different ways at different times, and some of us may be more so than others, but all of us were born with that sinful human condition. But Jesus came to change all of that, to save us from our sins. And he provided something for us that it's so great a salvation, is that it's not just to make you better. No, it's to make you free. It's to bring victory in your life. This is part of the gospel. This is good news that Jesus wants us to be free. In Luke 4:18, it tells us what Jesus said when he first began his ministry. You need to understand this is in part why Jesus came. In Luke 4:18, he said, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me." because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. I don't think that was just for the people that he spoke to then. I think it's still for all of us. And I want to proclaim liberty. I want to proclaim freedom for the captives today. This is part of the salvation that Jesus provided for us. He says, and the recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty freedom for those who are pressed. Jesus proclaims freedom for the captives. He didn't just come to save us from hell. He also came to save us, to free us, so we could live victoriously in this life, so that we could experience an abundant life. 
Not just make it to heaven, but have an abundant life here on this earth. Not that life Paul was talking about, oh, wretched man that I am. No, instead being an overcomer and living in the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, many believers are bound in some way, not really living in all that God has for them. They need to get free. See, some are bound, they're shackled to a past. Mistakes that they made, or maybe it was hurts of the past or disappointments, but there's things in their past that are binding them up and keeping them from the things that God has for them today. For some people, it's a besetting sin, some sin that just seems to have a hold on them and it just keeps coming up and keeps coming up and wrecks relationships and destroys opportunities and ministry. And I'm just telling you, some people, they're bound by a besetting sin that they need to get free from. Jesus came to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Some people are oppressed by fears and anxiety and stress. And I want you to hear me now. I am not being critical of those who are on medication when I say this. I'm not condemning anybody. In fact, I'm saying that this is such a huge problem in our culture that we all know this. There are lots of people on medication for anxiety and stress. Here's what I want to say about that. Jesus came to set free those who are oppressed. I'm not being critical of anybody on medication. You, you know why I'm going on like this? Because, you know, I've gotten hate mail before, just saying. I'm not being critical of that. I'm saying that Jesus wants to set free. Here's another one. A lot of people you know, are, are just oppressed by a heaviness of sadness and depression. And a lot of people, the evidence of that in our culture today is there's so many people on medication. I'm not being critical of those people being on medication. I'm just saying that Jesus came to set free from oppression. All kinds of oppression. All kinds of ways that people can be bound. You know, some people have this spirit of, they're oppressed. They're oppressed by a spirit of resentment and bitterness and anger. And they're upset all the time. They're always wound up over something. That's no way to live. What a bondage. What a heaviness to bear. Jesus sets free. He came to set free those who are oppressed. And I tell you, free from everything that would bind us or hold us back from experiencing the abundant life that he has provided for us. This great salvation includes you being completely free. You know, last week I emphasized that we are completely forgiven. He wants you also to be completely free. That's the way it's supposed to be for us as believers. The first thing we have to do to get free is admit that we need to be free. I told you this about forgiveness. To be forgiven, you have to admit that you need to be forgiven. And I'm going to tell you today, you can't really get free if you can't admit that you need to be free. Listen, we need a Savior. (laughs) 
We need a Savior to save us, to rescue us, to deliver us. Deliverance is for people that need to be free. You know, Jesus provided freedom for us in this great salvation. But there are so many not really walking in freedom, and a lot of the time it is because they refuse to admit that they need freedom in some area of their life. And we're going to go to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. These were Jews who believed him. This was not, you know, the scribes and Pharisees that despise Jesus and they're out to get him. No, this is, this is Jews who believed him. And I want you to see what happens here. Well, let me just tell you this. They believe in him, but they weren't really free. That sounds like a lot of people today. They believe in Jesus, but they're not really free. They were in denial. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in denial today. Jesus says to them, he says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They were in such denial. They said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. We are Abraham's descendants. Abraham's descendants, their forefathers, were in bondage in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And they know it. They still celebrate the Passover to uh, celebrate their freedom from that slavery. Not just that, they also were slaves to the Babylonians. They were conquered and taken away as slaves to the Babylonians. Even now, they're not slaves, but they're under Roman rule. And yet, they want to say, we've never been in bondage to anyone. But Jesus wasn't just talking about their history. He's talking about their individual lives right here and right now. And he makes that so clear. Some people think Jesus is soft on sin. I mean, it's kind of really a cool, hip thing in our religious culture today to like Jesus but hate church and hate Christians. You know, Jesus is loving and kind and gentle. And let me tell you, he's all that and a whole lot more. But he was never soft on sin. And I want you to see what he says next. And I want you to understand his heart. So they say, how can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Do we hear that, church? Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, Jesus was not condemning these people. No, listen to what he's talking about. He's telling them that they've been enslaved. And in just a few verses, he says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus wants these people to be free. 
But he's not soft on sin. Jesus' attitude is not just, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. See, that's what a lot of Christians think today. No big big deal, no biggie. No biggie to be bound up. No biggie to have heartache and trouble and the results of sin in your life. I want to tell you, Jesus came to set free so we could have victory. And that's why he addresses this with these people. He wants them to be free. Verse 35, he says, And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I tell you, there are a lot of Christians that have some area of their life where they just haven't gotten victory. They're in bondage. But they don't call it that. They call it a weakness. I want to tell you, we need to get to the place where we will be honest with ourselves and with God and admit to Him when there's an area in our life that we need to be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, in Luke chapter 15, there's the story, what we call the prodigal son. And that prodigal son took his inheritance and he went out in wild and sinful living and he wasted all and he finds himself feeding pigs and he's so hungry he wants to eat the pig food. And then something happens to him. The Bible says he came to himself. All of a sudden he had this realization. Here he is feeding pigs and wanting to eat the pig food. He has a realization. This is not where I want to be. This is not the life that I want to live. And sometimes we have to have that kind of a realization when there is a bondage in our life where we say, you know what? This is not where I want to be. This is not the life that I want to live. I want to be free. We need to be able to admit that to ourselves and admit that to God. I'll tell you, that is the first step really getting free, receiving this freedom that Jesus so willingly wants to give us. Next, if we're going to stay free, we need to change the way we think. You see, you can come to an altar and we can pray for you to be free, but if you don't change the way you think, if you go back thinking the same old thoughts, sooner or later you're going to wind up in the same old bondage. Let me just give you an example. You see, maybe you're one of those that's been so bound up with resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, maybe from things that people have done to you, and you get prayed for, and praise God, you're going to be free. But you go out of here, and you start rehearsing again all the wrongs they did to you and what they said to you, and you just keep thinking on that over and over and over, and you're going to find yourself right back in the same old bondage of bitterness. You got to change the way you think. Jesus said, we read it a moment ago, if you abide in my word, this is how you change the way you think. If you stay in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. You're going to know something. You're going to know truth. Where do you get truth? From the word. If you abide in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
Now, I've heard this quoted in TV shows and movies. People that don't even believe in God will say, the truth will make you free. You know, they're trying to get somebody to tell the truth. and They tell them, the truth will make you free. Listen, you should always tell the truth. But that's not at all what he's talking about here. He's talking about the truth of his word. That when you know that truth, when you really know it, not just acquainted with it. You know, some people are acquainted with it. No, you need to know the truth. And when you know the truth, Jesus said, it will make you free. I'm telling you, sometimes if you're going to stay free, you're going to have to get the Word of God and change the way you think about that situation or about that sin or about that person. You're going to have to change the way you think. And the Word of God will help you to do that. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world. We're not supposed to live like the world. We're supposed to be different. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word for transformed is the same word from which we get our word for metamorphosis. It is a radical change that takes place in your life when you renew your mind, when you change the way that you think. See, we need to find a scripture that applies to where we're struggling and we need to get that down inside of our heart and transform our lives by renewing our mind. I'm working on this right now myself. One in particular, I am declaring freedom and victory. It's from 1 Corinthians 9, 27. And uh, I struggle with my eating and I don't think it's fair that my little bitty wife can eat the same amount as me a lot of the time, and yet she's just getting... How many of you think that's not fair? Oh, come on now. Some of you want you to raise your hand real bad. I know. But don't be hating on her. You'll go to hell. Oh, man. You know, I used to tell people, you can be mean to me, and, you know, you probably get away with it. But if you mean to Carmen, you go straight to hell. Do not pass gold. <laughs> it's the way it is. You ask the Lord if I ain't telling it right. Uh, man, I'm so far out here. So I got me a verse. You know, I just, just I've known this verse for years, for decades. But I just, I, man, I've got it. And I'm going to hang on to it, and I'm going to declare it. I'm going to keep my mind renewed with this. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep my body under subjection, and I make it my slave. I am not going to let my body be my boss and dictate to me. I'm going to boss it around. I keep my, it's a spiritual truth. Listen, there's part of me that's, that's going, oh, no, just wait till you get to smelling that Mexican food. It's over. <laughs> No, I keep my body under subjection and make it my slave. And I'm going to meditate that over and over and over throughout my day. I'm going to keep thinking about it. And especially when I get around food, I'm going to say, I keep my body under subjection. I make it my slave. I just want you to know that whatever area you struggle in, there is a truth that can set you free. And you need to renew your mind with the Word of God. You need to stand on a verse, on a scripture, 
and keep standing on it and meditating on it and get victory in that area. Sometimes you're going to have to renew your mind if you're going to stay free. You need to get your brain washed. That's right. People always talk about religion and say, oh, they're brainwashing people. Listen, what I know is that in Ephesians chapter 5, that Jesus is preparing his bride with the washing of the water of the word. He wants to do a little brainwashing on us. When, we're, when our thinking is messed up, it'll keep you in bondage. Jesus said, stay in my word, you'll be my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Sometimes you need a little brainwashing. You need to change the way you think and get free from those old habits and bondages. You've got to take control of your thought life. So, this morning, I want us to start with Romans chapter 6 in changing the way that we think about ourselves and the way we think about sin. Romans chapter 6 And we're going to read all the way, we're going to work our way through all the way from verse 1 through 11. And some of you are going to change the way you think right now about reading Scripture. Because I keep, you know, people tell me, you can't read that much Scripture, people just tune out. Tune in, God's going to speak to you. This is His Word, not mine. In fact, some of you are going to think, as we read this, you're going to think, is that really in the Bible? It really is. And these truths are seldom talked about and seldom taught, and yet they are such a powerful part of so great a salvation that has been provided to us. It has been neglected. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We cannot neglect part of what Jesus has done for us. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. No way. Never. You see, he just got through saying that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And I want to tell you that God's grace is sufficient to take care of all of your sin. It is more than enough. Grace abounds. But then he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Let's not just read over this and like it doesn't mean anything. Everything in there means something. How shall we who died to sin? He's talking about us, you and me. We died to sin. This is spiritual truth. We might not be living in it. We might not be experiencing it in our life. But this is spiritual truth. We died to sin. To sin. Some of you never heard this before. Believe me, it's right there in the Bible. And you need to understand that this is for you. Verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Listen, baptism isn't just, you know, getting dunked at church. No, it is a symbol of what happens in our life that we died with Him. This is what baptism is about. It is not just about, well, you know, I went down there, it's a thing you're supposed to do. Why? 
Because it is a symbol of us dying with Christ and then being raised with Christ. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That old sin nature died. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Now listen, he's not talking about the resurrection here. He doesn't say one day we shall. No, he says we should walk in the newness of life. This is for right here, right now. That old man died. Guess what? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That old man died. I'm walking in the newness of life. This is for us. I tell you, these truths, I know they're seldom taught or talked about, but I challenge you, go home and read over it and meditate it. Get it down inside of you. If you will believe the Word of God, it will change your life. Let's keep going. Let's go to verse 6 here. He says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ. Our old man. Do you know you got an old man? It's talking about that old nature. That old sinful nature. What is so great a salvation about? It is about our Savior saving us from the sinful human condition. He saved us from that old man, that old sinful nature. Our old man was crucified with him. Your old sinful nature was crucified with Jesus. You say, I don't understand that. It is spiritual truth that you accept and believe because the Word of God says it. And I know. You know, we're thinking, oh no, mild sinful nature is alive and well. I understand that. I get that. I know exactly what you mean. I also know that by faith, that old sinful nature, it's on the cross. It was crucified with Christ. It died with Him. And you need to understand this. You want to walk in the freedom that Jesus has provided for you? You stand on this right here. My old sinful nature died on the cross with Christ so that I could live a new life. That the body of sin might be done away with. Wow. This is so powerful that a lot of believers just have a hard time swallowing it. And preachers don't preach it. But here's the end result of that. Is that people continue to live in sin and bondage when God wants them to be free. And he has provided for it through so great a salvation. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Who died? We did. On the cross with Christ. We were crucified with him. Now if we died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead. He dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now listen, verse 11, really important. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, all of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior 
and believed on him as the Son of God who has brought forgiveness and redemption to us, we accept that by faith. By grace you've been saved through faith. And so we believe the word of the Lord and we say, I'm forgiven. I know that I'm forgiven. And I want, to, I want you to understand. You see, you need to see that spotless, sinless Lamb of God that He took all of your sins upon Himself so that you could be free from that condemnation and guilt and the judgment. You have been forgiven. But use the same principles of faith here. I don't understand. I was crucified. I died with Christ. That old body of sin died so that I could walk in the newness of life and be free. I want you to understand. It's in the Word. It's right there in the Scripture. And you accept it by faith. You see yourself on the cross with Christ. That old man dying so that you can live a new life. That's the truth of God's Word. And it's right there. You know, in... in, Verse 11 in the New King James, he says, reckon, and we don't use the word reckon like that anymore. I mean, we say, you know, I reckon I'm going to take a nap today. Or I reckon we're going to go get something to eat. We're Texans. Some of us say reckon. But in the NIV, it says count yourselves dead to sin. And that's really a much better translation in this instance because it, the, the Greek word there is an accounting term. You record it. You mark it down. I am dead to sin, but alive to God. I, I know that old sin nature will try to raise its ugly head and you'll be like, oh, it ain't dead. You need to, by faith, declare it and say, I am dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. See, some Christians, they seem to have it backwards. When it comes to the things of God, they're just as dead as a doornail. And you have a prayer meeting, people stay away by the droves. Oh, man, I'm meddling too much. Drop down to verse 18 of that same passage. He says this, and having been set free, it's past tense, it's been done. You need to receive it. Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, I want to clarify something here. I know, listen, don't judge me. I got feet of clay. I mess up a lot. And all of us make mistakes. None of us is perfect. None of us has attained some absolute righteousness on our own. Of course not. Listen, I'm not saying that we never make a mistake or never mess up. I am saying what the Word says is that we are free from the bondage of sin. We are free from that old nature that couldn't win. Jesus delivered us. I want to see it one more time in Scripture in Galatians 2.20. One of my favorite verses Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Do you know that you've been crucified with Christ? Just say it with me. I have been crucified with Christ. Keep going. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Wow, such powerful truth. I've been crucified. That old nature has been crucified with Christ. 
Yet now I live, but not me. Christ lives in me. Oh, such powerful truth. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. What is faith? It's substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. So you might say, well, that ain't what I'm seeing. That ain't what I'm experiencing in my life. It is by faith. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, not only so you could go to heaven, but so you could be free. I'm crucified with Christ. I want to tell you, Christ does not have a sin problem. And if he's living in you, you've got victory over sin. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. That verse was not given to us so we could declare victory over our opponent when we're playing a sport. I'll tell you, the way that people twist and abuse the Word of God is ridiculous. This is for real living, for real life. When you're going through a battle, a great struggle, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When there's a temptation, a sin, a besetting sin, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what that verse is for, and it is absolutely true. You can do anything God wants you to do through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. You can have victory. Now, if we want to be free... There needs to be a time that we repent. The word repent in the scripture is two words stuck together. It's change and mind. You got to change your mind. Uh, It's more than just, you know, like, okay, I'm thinking different. It is changing your mind as in you're going this way and you change your mind and now I'm going this way. It is a true change true repentance and there needs to be a time when you repent when you make up your mind that you're going to be different that you're not going to be the same old person that you're going to live the life God has called you to the life that he's provided for you live in the freedom that he has given to you I want to give you an example from scripture a little man who was a greedy tax collector named Zacchaeus he climbs up in a tree because he wants to see Jesus when he passes by. And Jesus, when he sees him, he calls him to come down. He says, Zacchaeus, come down, because today I'm going to come to your house for dinner. Now, something happened at Zacchaeus' house. Salvation came. Real salvation. You know how I know that? Because Jesus said so. Zacchaeus, it's Luke 19, 8 and 9. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Here was a guy that had true repentance. I mean, he didn't just think about it. He truly changed. He did a 180 from the greedy little thief that he used to be. Something has happened to him, and Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house. And I'm telling you, if you want to be free, you got to decide, you know what? I'm not going to be that person anymore. That person died on the cross with Christ, and I am free now. I'm going to be different. you got to make up your mind. There needs to be a day that you decided that's not who I am anymore. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, the scripture warns us, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Now sometimes it seems like in our generation, Christians like to focus on certain things here and say, look right there, it's in the Bible. You know what else it says? Nor thieves, nor covetous. Wow. Covetousness? That's right. A lot of people bound by covetousness. They think just a little more is the answer. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I love this. And such were some of you. That's not who you are anymore. Such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He justified us. He washed us. That's not who we are anymore. you got to decide, you know what, that's not who I am anymore. I'm going to live the life that God has for me. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for prayer partners to come.